Congratulations. You used your compass to find the XFIL. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game. So we hope you come along with us on that journey as well. Couple things here in hideout keeping. Uh, still got the giveaway going for another week or so by the time you hear this. So make sure you enter into that giveaway. That's going to be in the show notes. We're giving away a PC. It is PUBG themed. It's through the Winner Winner podcast, our sister podcast on the XP Media Network, but it's a free to enter type program. So make sure you get in there and check that out. Uh, other things, we've got a bunch of new folks in the Discord. Welcome. Thanks for joining. Uh, those of you that are brand new and haven't squatted up or checked out all of the different spots in there, I wanted to say, if you have a question or if you're a solo player, you don't have to come to the Discord to squat up. There are no bad questions about this game. There's a ton of stuff that is super deep, has thousands of parts in the game. And if you've got a question about something, ask in the Discord. There's the generic Tarkov section. Make sure you jump in there, ask a question. It doesn't mean you have to squat up. If you want to, that's great. But solo players welcome as well and ask any and all questions. We've got everything from people that just bought the game or who haven't even bought the game but are interested in it to people that have been playing it for years. And even folks that have been playing for years, they don't pay attention to every single little detail in a patch and they have questions too. So ask away. Tons of people that can help you out. And the other thing that's been really cool is we've had some hardware questions. Our new hardware section in the Discord, there's been people that have had problems with fans, people that have been upgrading parts, and some great discussion around those as well. So take advantage. Come on down to the Discord if you haven't yet. We look forward to chatting and engaging with you there. But outside of that, the best ways to support the show are to share it with a friend. That is always the best thing you can do. Whether they're new or been playing for a while, let them know about the community. And to that point, I met and chatted with a guy last night who didn't even know that we ran a podcast, but he loves the Discord, right? So if they're playing the game, bring them in. If you're looking to support us directly, we do have a Patreon for that. There is the new $1 option. And I just wanted to say thank you to the numerous people now that have taken advantage of the $1 option on Patreon. That's incredible. Thank you so much for spending your hard-earned money on our passion project so that we can continue to do this and expand it into more in the future. So thank you so much. And then lastly, it's follow our social media channels and YouTube. So you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at MTB Trigger, and you can always reach out to me on Discord as well. But that's all I have. So Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know what's going on with you and how they can get in touch with you as well. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm doing great. Looking forward to another great episode this week. You can get in touch with me directly in Discord. Go ahead, send me a DM. That's the best way to do it. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming and check out our latest news coming out of uh, the Twitters for the various shows. Exo Podcast has its own Twitter account as well. Be sure to follow that for specific information related to the show. You can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com if you have something that you don't want to send over Discord or something maybe more formal. And lastly, I do hang out and stream on MTB Trigger's Twitch stream a couple times a week, hanging out, chatting with people while we watch Trigger uh, play whatever game he's playing. But for tonight, it's time to get into the show. And before we get in, we have to talk about a raid that we had this week. And it was last night, actually. We were playing, doing some shoreline. We decided, hey, we're going to have a night where we just do some casual, not content creation just play the game. And it was interesting. We definitely had some fun. We had two kind of really crazy situations develop. I mean, we started this off kind of like, uh, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to do? And then it turned into, okay, well, let's try to do some, uh, maybe some tasks on Shoreline. We kind of didn't want to play a shorter map. We're looking for more of that long game. So we played Shoreline a few times and uh, had a really interesting time, had a couple successful raids and then had some trouble. So with that intro being done, I kind of want to have Trigger start off by talking a little bit about where we started and kind of how we got into this. Yeah, absolutely. It's always funny, right? And if for some reason this is the first episode you're hearing, uh, I've got a little extra rasp in my voice. And the reason that we had the night off was because I was just coughing out of my mind and couldn't record. So we decided to spend that time checking out 12.8. We wanted to check out the compass. We wanted to see all the new features. We decided to just jump back into Shoreline, which is where we left off uh, from the last time we played. And I think it's funny because we actually had some really successful raids uh, before the one that we're going to break down today. And it's just super interesting because we started off with a scav run like we normally do just to kind of get warmed up. And we both got out with a bunch of loot. And then we jumped into a shoreline and we cleared out basically the entire southern part of the map, killed a bunch of scavs, got a bunch of task kills done for Ronald on his AKM challenge or task rather. And then we we had a great raid. And it's funny because it was just like a standard good raid. We got some loot killed some scabs, moved through the map, and then we just got out. You know, it was a great raid. Nothing crazy, but it was a great start. You know, we had an awesome scav raid, had a great raid to start. So we're over an hour in at that point, and then we jump into this next raid. And a bunch of stuff happened, and it's got good, it's got bad, it's got, you know, tremendously frustrating. So I'm trying to recall really quick, you're going to have to help me out here because all of these shoreline raids bleed together to me. On the one that I'm thinking about where we had the tragic ending, was this the one where we caught the two guys running up to resort first? Or was that a separate raid? That was the second one. So the first tragic ending that we had was down by the pier where we got shot with oh! like 10 minutes left from somebody on the other side of gas station on the hill. That's right. Okay. I forgot two tragedies. The crazy part though is there is so many cool things that happen in these raids. So we're going to focus a lot on that, but we did have some stuff happen. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. So the second raid was great though. So we started on what some people refer to as God Spawn for Shoreline, which is the one up by the northeastern corner of the map. And you can basically run straight up to the east wing and you are way ahead of the other spawns. So our plan before going into the raid on this second one was, hey, let's go down to the pier, then we'll work up to resort 
and then we'll work to Villa and get out if we spawn on that side of the map. Well, of course, we get the furthest north spawn and we change on the spot. And I'm like, well, why don't we get up to the corner here? Let's see what happens. Let's see if we can get any activity and see if anybody comes around. So we move up to the corner. Uh, Ronald kind of is stalking out scab spawns, trying to get his, you know, AKM kills. The sniper scab didn't spawn in this round. And he was kind of trolling around the admin building, that big rock just on the north side. And then I was kind of holding the fence line, looking down towards the tip of East Wing and then back out towards all of the spawns towards Road to Customs. And I spot a guy running and he's booking it kind of up towards where we spawned in from. And I tell Ronald, I said, hey, there's a guy on this rock. He's going to be rotating right to left. He's down by the gazebo. And Ronald's like, I don't see him. Take the shot if you got it. And so I let him get out into the open. And I take him out and he's kind of up in the middle of this field. And so then my mind immediately goes to, okay, I didn't see that he had a partner, but a lot of people have a partner. And so I say, all right, man, I'm up here kind of on this corner. Can you take my spot? I'm going to go loot this guy. And will you watch near that rock? Because this is where he came from. So Ronald goes up. He's spotting where this guy came from, where I saw him run from. I go and loot the guy. He's got all kinds of stuff, kind of a mid-tier looted guy. Had a nice SKS. And so we leave that there and then we switch. And then I say, Ronald, come pick this guy of what you want. And then I go up there, Ronald loots. And then lo and behold, as Ronald's leaving that spot after looting, the guy's partner emerges and starts rotating the same way. So again, I'm like, hey, he's moving off this rock. Ronald's kind of caught in between the gazebo there and just, you know, it's one of those situations where I tried to explain where the guy was and probably didn't do a great job, but he's like, take the shot if you got it. So you end up killing this guy as well. So we get all the loot off these two guys. We're feeling good at this point. I don't know. What do you think? There's like 30 minutes left in the raid, probably. Yeah, we're both 30. Yeah. So we're like, well, at this point, we're probably not going to do the entire circuit because we both were looted up at this point and we don't have the entire circuit probably to do uh, to get all the white blankets, which is the task we didn't get done last time on the previous episode that we talked about. So we wanted to come in and try it again. So I'm like, okay, well, what if we just wrap around the front of resort down to the pier and then let's take, let's get out. So we, we kind of work our way down through power station. We're hearing shots down towards pier and we're like, well, maybe if we come in on the east side and look down and in and see if we can spot them. So this is where it starts to get really bad. And I'm sitting here as I'm thinking about it, realizing, okay, decision point. We had the north part of the map cleared, and we chose to go all the way down to the south end because we heard some shots, and we had no idea where they're coming from, which was probably a mistake. But we did it anyway, and we get to the rocks overlooking the pier, and where you can also see gas station, and I start taking fire. And I'm like, I think he's in the gas station, or, or no, excuse me, I think he's in the pier, and I can't find him. And so I kind of peek and I'm trying to spot this guy. And then I take another shot and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's up on gas station hill. It's the only angle he can shoot me from. And then boom, he hits a headshot and drops me. So at this point, I'm down. Ronald was holding a position behind me, making sure nobody came down from power station. And we start having a conversation because I'm dead. I'm on a rock that's super exposed, you know, so I'm like, don't go get my gear. This guy can see everything. We don't know how many there are. And I'm like, what do you want to do here? And Ronald's like, I want to kill him. Yeah. So Ronald's like, I'm going to take these guys out. And basically, like at that point, like what was going through your mind, right? 
We knew it was a long distance shot. We kind of knew the direction it came from. And you made the decision like, I'm going to get this guy. So why don't you break down where you were and like what was going through your mind? So I was about maybe 50 yards behind you, prone under a tree, watching your body. And I was thinking, and I've got two choices right here. I was pretty sure the guy who killed you didn't know that I was there. So I could have just ran away at this point. We've got maybe like 12 minutes left in the raid. But I figured that there was just enough time left that I could sit there and wait for them to come loot your body. And we decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to wait and see if we can catch the person coming down to loot your body. And so we had to make a choice. There was enough time for me to wait for a little bit, but we had to decide, okay, I'm sitting on pier. I got to run the tunnel basically to extract. So I need probably three minutes a solid three minutes to make my way all the way over there. So I'm going to wait until seven minutes, you know, six or seven minutes to get out there and leave. And we're at 12 minutes and that's kind of how all this started. So we decided, all right, we're just going to wait. And sure enough, uh, someone came down and looted the body and we waited till it was prone, looting your body, shot and killed him. So then the question was, there was seven minutes left in the raid and we had to make a risk a risk slash reward judgment here. Do we go up and loot the guy who's looting you? Do I ditch some stuff? At seven minutes left, the odds of insurance kicking in and you getting your stuff back is pretty high. And so because of that, I came out from under the cover that I had in the bush and moved up and started looting the guy that I had killed and I was instantly killed. And so at this point, I was killed with like five minutes and 12 seconds left in the raid. So the person who was up on the hill on the other side of gas station that killed Trigger killed me. And it's really interesting as we kind of think about how this happened and like, could we have done anything different? And, you know, the answer is yes, I could have probably retreated back and gotten away. However, to make that transition around gas station to get to tunnel, he probably would have gotten me on the beach or something, or at least taken shots at me to make that transition, or would have had to have gone all the way up and around again, which I didn't have time to do. So I don't think there's really, you know, a lot of value in saying I I should have just left. I I do think that in this particular case, we chose to take a stand there and try to kill the person that killed Trigger. And I'm comfortable with that decision. I really wasn't even mad about dying. It just was an interesting choice that had to be made, right? And the guy basically made a great shot. It was a great play. The guy who killed us, he held that angle for a solid 15 minutes. At least. And a solid patient play. And that is great. In Tarkov, that is awesome. So I don't feel bad about that death. I feel like that was a good situation where we had kind of two equal choices and there wasn't a bad choice. No, it was it was super interesting, right? Because the beginning of that raid was super fun. It was fantastic. We just kind of got ourselves into a situation where we're protecting the gear. We're kind of playing for insurance at that point. In the moment, like I, I got shot and I just incorrectly heard it. And it's worth noting, like suppressors are so powerful in this game, especially if you're good at those mid to long range shots. I had no idea where this guy was coming from. And as I'm peeking over these rocks, looking in towards Pier, that's when he's choosing to shoot me, even though from that gas station hill, he could have probably shot me at any time. So I don't know if he was intentionally shooting me when I was peeking at gas station or not, but every time I peeked at gas station is when he shot. And so I'm looking down there trying to spot him and I can't spot him. So 
it really wasn't until we saw the blood splatter on the rock that we understood where he was shooting from, which is what allowed Ronald to post up and wait to kill the partner. And after all was said and done, and we were both killed, we found out there was a guy that killed me, and then Ronald killed a guy, and then it was a third name that killed him. So we actually ended up fighting that three-man team that had the high ground advantage and just was more patient than we were and had a better positional advantage at the end of the game. So they played it right. Uh, we probably get our gear back, would be my guess. But we you never know. I mean, one of us may lose a gun, one of us may not. We'll see. But it was still like a really good raid. And great PvP in the beginning. Maybe not the best rotation, but a good raid. So, like any good death, you know, we gear back up right after the raid, build some guns, get back in, and we have another, not the not the best spawn, but the next best spawn right by the little cabin there on the north side of the map there, the northeast side of the map. So, this time, we're like, okay, we don't want to do the same strategy, but we're in a similar spot. So, we clear up to resort after seeing the god spawn guy, like, clear straight into resort. So we kind of moved in behind him, went along the fence on the rock line up on resort, and we worked our way slowly across that rock cliff face on this final raid. And we decided to post up near the helicopter because there was so much action in resort that and over down in the power station and then down at the bus stop is that we just kind of hunkered down a little bit and we just kind of had a conversation like, what do you want to do here? And it was kind of like, well, we're not going to have time for another raid after this. We can extend this one out as long as we want. And so we're like, let's check this out. We'll work through these tasks. We'll get these resort ones done and then move down and around. Well, lo and behold, we hear some footsteps and we hear two guys running up from our left. And we're kind of right at that gate entrance by the helicopter on the east side. So there's rocks and then there's a steep dirt path going down. And then there's the gate opening into the side of the helicopter. And we're right on the rock side of that fence. And these guys are coming right up to us. And then they go a little bit west up the rock face. And then they come in the other gate. So they're probably 30 meters away. And they're doing the task that we were going to do. And they run up to the helicopter. They run to the white blanket. And then they're moving into resort. And we're watching them do this because of our positioning. And... There becomes a point where they, they exit the cover, and I'm rocking an MTB-8R, which is a toned-down version of the Chad-R, which Ronald uses, and I have M995, so I'm feeling pretty confident. And this guy exits cover, you know, we're, we're both have eyes on him, we see what they're doing, and I said, I'm going to take the shot. So I start shooting, put quite a few bullets into this guy, he doesn't go down. And then the other guy takes off far. He sprints out. The other guy presumably has to heal. Ronald holds a position and say, hey, I'm going to work up the rock line the other direction and kind of cut off their flank. As soon as I get around the corner, the partner that had sprinted off far takes some shots at me. And he's got tracer rounds. It's probably M62. So then I have to kind of duck back and cover. It's at that point I hear the other guy start to move around. I see him. I take some shots. Not sure if I connected with them or not. And then all of a sudden, I hear just a little tink, and I got killed by a VOG, right? So this guy is inside the resort fence. He's under West Wing in that kind of like, there's trash cans, there's dumpsters. Yeah, a bunch of miscellaneous cover. And this dude just lobs a VOG grenade, and just, he owns me, honestly. Like, he threw an amazing grenade, and I told Ronald, I'm like, I don't think he knows if he killed me. 
because it was the first grenade he tossed, and it was so like, I guarantee you, it was just this random lob over the fence. And he got me. And I was in this really odd spot, like in between rocks, that I, I don't even know if they could have found my body, to be honest. So then again, I'm dead, and Ronald's decision time. So walk us through it, man. I'm watching on Discord, and this is one of the most like heartbreaking like situations I've ever seen because, and I'll let you explain it, but there was a point where you put so many bullets into this guy and he had no idea where you were. And then you'll, you'll break it down as it unfolds, but it was just like, Oh my, I was so bummed because I thought you had this guy dominated. So break it down, man. How'd it go? This time around, I was using an AKM. I didn't have the chat art and I had BP and he came around the corner of the fence just on the south side of where the helicopter is. And I was sitting behind the barrels right out there. And as he came around the corner, I lit him up. I was full auto, shot at him, lit him up, and he ran down the hill. I And so I had no idea if I had killed him or if he was bleeding out or whatever. So I waited, waited for, you know, maybe three or four seconds to see if he was going to come back up. And then his partner started shooting at my position and I had to run. I ran to back to the left to get out of there. So I ran about maybe 50, 60 yards away, stopped, got to the edge of the rocks and started to look for him down at the bottom of the hill. And we thought he was at the bottom of the hill healing. So I ran back around, decided, okay, let's just see if we can find this guy and finish him. So I got back on the south side of the wall, but still on top of the rocks looking down. And the thing was we could hear something, but couldn't tell directionally where it was. It's just hard to explain, but with the wind noise and with the audio, I just couldn't tell exactly where this guy was. And I could hear him kind of creep walking around. And then all of a sudden I realized he was walking up to my right side and I was looking down into the left. And then right as I came around, and then right as I came around, he jumped out and he, I don't think he knew, but he ended up right on top of me. I don't even think he knew I was there. And he shot first and I died. Now, when I we pulled up the stat screen, I did 392 damage to that guy. <laughs> and that was all in the first combat. Like, right, because when he jumped on you, like, I don't think, I think you took some shots, but he came at a crazy angle. I think it was all in that initial battle. Correct. Yeah, I missed my, my shots at the second battle where I died, missed. So my first round with him as he was running and I sprayed him, I did 392 damage and he didn't die. So again, that was a situation where that raid ended. And unlike the first raid, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I was a little frustrated. I was like, this was a frustrating experience in Tarkov. It wasn't that I felt that I lost unfairly or that I was cheated out of anything. I made a mistake with the audio. So I understand that it was even my fault, but it doesn't matter. I was still frustrated. It was what it was. And I did too, right? Because the truth is the guy that killed me with the VOG grenade, he threw an amazing grenade, right? He picked a spot, threw it, it owned me. It was probably a 40 meter toss, like great grenade. It still left me feeling like, I could have done so much more. I could have hit the shots, maybe timed them a little better as they were running off of the helicopter. Like I just had a lot of opportunity. I could have maybe made a different flank. Maybe I didn't need to flank at all. You know, there's so many ways we could have approached that fight. And then watching on Discord, I'm thinking that they're going to come try to find my body and they they may not even know I'm dead. So they're going to come in looking to PvP 
because they don't know if they got me or not, unless they happen to be on the grenadier task and they saw they got a grenade kill. But I'm selling Ronald like, hey, man, you should have an advantage here because they're going to be thinking it's two. They may think we're moving around. They may not know what's going on. And to watch him pump this guy full of BP and he doesn't go down. And then to find out it was 392 damage was just like, oh, my gosh, we were owning. And these guys just came out on top and, and they played well. You know, they we're at a huge disadvantage, right? If you think about it from a choke point standpoint, we had that choke point dominated. And then they changed the game, man. They got shot at, dodged the bullets well, and then got into cover, repositioned, threw some nades to clear some stuff out, and they just took the position back. They went from, you know, a defensive position, and then they turned it into an offensive, and they switched it on us, and they performed really well. And that still left me feeling frustrated to the point where that was that was it for the night. So I told myself and Eric's like, all right, I'm going to be done. And then I say, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to run one factory raid just to feel a little better. And I got dominated. And I, was just, I just I was done, man. I, I had to log out. It was all on me. Right. I I took some shots that I just missed. You know, I thought I hit some shots and they apparently didn't hit. I did a ton of damage to the guy on factory. Both of us were thick. I was using the new RFB and it just didn't go my way. And so I left frustrated and logged out frustrated because I just wasn't playing well. And the funniest part about this game is as frustrated as I was last night when I logged out, when I woke up this morning, I wanted to do better and I wanted to play Tarkov. And it was so funny because we're talking about it. and We're like, hey, you know, we're planning to do the podcast. It was like, dude, I woke up wanting to play. And Eric's like, yeah, same. <laughs> it was just a heartbreaking night of Tarkov. But for me, the critical part of it is, you know, I could say, yeah, I don't know how he knew where he was and how he threw the grenade where I was. Did, did he have something extra going on? Who knows? The truth is, doesn't matter, right? I got outplayed and I died. On factory, I made a push that I shouldn't have made and I still thought I won the gunfight and didn't. There's so many things that I can do different and do better to not put myself in those situations again that I feel really comfortable and good about those raids last night. It doesn't mean that there wasn't momentary frustration. And I think that's kind of one of the points I want to talk about is I think this game is really easy to get frustrated at. But then I start thinking about all of the things that were good, like the PvP encounter on the north side of Resort, like how we strategically figured out how to defend our gear when we were put in a position where stalemate was basically the only option. And then I think about how much I learned about the terrain on the south side of Resort on that rock cliff because of the PvP we got in there. I now know that little section of the map really, really well because of my encounter and then watching Eric's encounter on Discord. So if I get into a situation there again, I think I will approach it completely differently when I take the first shots, if I take the first shots, and then if I get into an encounter, I now know how steep where some cover is that you can get on the rocks from the other side. I know a lot about that area on the map now. So I came out of that this morning being like, okay, I learned a lot, had some good moments, and I want to get back in there. Yeah, I came out this morning and said, you know what, I'm just going to get back on the old bicycle, and so I'll just do a scav run, warm things up. So the first scav run I did, I pulled out 700,000 worth of loot. I was like, hmm, 
we're going to have to maybe do another scav run because we'll just build upon some success here. So I ended up doing five scav runs in between doing other things kind of in a row. Pulled out a total of 2.3 million in rubles. So made up all the money we lost, made up all the money we lost last night completely and built out another AKM that I'm going to use to keep working on that task. And basically I'm in a better position now than when we started. And as I look at Tarkov and the way that it works, it's different play styles that have different risk versus reward versus time investment. And one of the things that I was thinking about reflecting on kind of how we were playing in the two situations that got us killed is we both were kind of doing things that we don't normally do. We were playing kind of in ways that we don't really play. Yeah. One of the things that I was sort of reflecting on like as right after the raids was I am not a particularly patient player, right? And so we were playing a patient strategy. We were strategically holding down an area of the map. And part of my problem is committing fully to the strategic holding of that area. Because as soon as PvP approached, like I'm moving around, I'm positioning, I'm getting ready to fight. And then that instinct takes over and I let the shots ring out. It doesn't matter if I communicate it or not. I really didn't execute on the strategy. So yeah, it was. It was kind of uncomfortable, but I think that's why I, you know, 12 hours removed from it, felt good about it because I was uncomfortable. I did get to use some of my skill set, but for me, that's at least where it was uncomfortable. I don't normally play a... Uh, a patient type style. I, I'm not typically like if I'm by myself, I'm usually moving all the time. Even if I'm slowly moving, I'm usually moving all the time. You know, so it it was really interesting because the conversations we had during that on, okay, now what? What's going on? A lot more strategy goes into it. And that's not normally how I think through things. So for me, that was my side. What What was your side that you were talking about? I think the biggest thing for me was when I was behind the barrels right by the helicopter waiting, when you were proned out on the rocks and you had some good angles, and I was basically only covering one side, but kind of in the middle of things, I don't play like that ever. So when that guy ran out from the helicopter, uh, I was ready to shoot, but it was not a comfortable situation. I was on the other side of where I normally am. I normally play from a distance looking in, not from the inside looking out. And so that situation got a little uncomfortable because just it's a different game. It's a different game responding in close quarters combat versus somewhat of a distance combat situation. And I'm not great at close quarters combat. And so I was in a less comfortable, less familiar situation. So it just becomes, instead of having it be a natural reaction to whatever is happening, I'm thinking about, okay, and hesitating, right? Because I got decisions to make. So I'm hesitating at every point of decision during the encounter. And because of that, I think that that's what got me killed. If I was playing my normal game and coming up to that scenario the way that I normally would approach it, and I didn't have to have those moments of hesitation of what do I do? I have three choices. Let me think about each each one real quick and then make a decision. And that maybe takes 10 seconds total. Whereas when you're playing in your most comfortable play style, it's a two second decision. You're like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to do this. Yeah. And so I really feel like that's where I got into trouble in this scenario. Overall, though, it's good. It's good to try some things that you don't do every day. We definitely 
didn't go in with a solid, you know, or a, a solid's the wrong word. We didn't go in with a strict or very regimented plan. Just wanted to have some fun. Yeah. And I still think even in the end, I still learned something in this PvP encounter. And I learned more about the topography of right below the helicopter right there. I didn't know the angle that I was killed from. I didn't realize that you could be killed from that angle. I thought it was too steep to climb. And now I know that it can be climbed. So I actually consider it to be just a, another learning experience in Tarkov. So I was frustrated when it happened, but, you know, waking up the next day, I was excited to jump back in, do some scav runs, get back the money that I lost and, you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah. I think you brought up an interesting point, though, is kind of the risk reward of play styles and kind of the, the view of them, right? Because this is probably where we analyze this situation differently, perhaps, because Regarding like this raid, especially the one where this third and final raid where we were on that southern side by the helicopter, you know, I look at most of my analysis of a PMC raid because of my playstyle. Like I seek out PvP. I'm usually a little bit more mobile. And I look at a lot of the reward on my PMC specifically as winning PvP fights and getting out with gear and then, you know, topping off my bags with whatever loot. And so when I was looking at that scenario, you know, the risk is I'm looking at it as we die, right? Because I'm not focused on tasks. I don't really care if I get any tasks done at this point in the wipe. I'm not going for Kappa. I'm already level 48. So I have all the traders unlocked. And so for me, the risk is I lose my stuff or I take out more stuff with me. And one of the things that this wipe for me is I've barely built guns. I've modified guns that I take out and just kind of used what comes to me. And it's been really fun doing that. To me, the risk was, well, if I shoot these shots, they they win the fight. And, that, and that's the way I was analyzing it. And it's really interesting because I'm not even really thinking about the value of loot or the value of guns. I was looking at it as like, these guys are two geared guys running right in front of me. And if I kill them, I get to take all their stuff out, which is two kits uh, that I can go run quote unquote for free because I've earned them by winning that PVP fight. And so for me, that's what I'm thinking about kind of in the back of my mind as this is running through and how that that works. And, it, and that's what's playing through my mind is how to get through this encounter and what's the risk if I shoot here. And that's really the risk that I'm analyzing is what is the risk of me taking a shot right now, right? Am I in a position to win this fight or am I not? And the truth is, I would say that at the beginning of that fight, we were at a very, very advantageous spot and it was a pretty low risk of shooting at them and losing. The truth is, I missed some shots that I probably should have hit. And so super interesting that you brought that up because it made me think about what was my risk reward analysis on that encounter. So when you think about it through those same terms, how do you look at that encounter? I look at it and say that I made a conscious decision, an intentional decision to be where I was. I knew that I was putting myself in a situation that I'm not normally in and I was fine with it. Because at some point, you have to play differently to either get better at the game or just experience different parts of the game. 
So I was fine doing what we were doing. And I knew that there was much higher risk in how I was playing. And so I was fine with that. I knew that when the guy ran past me, I would have a very limited opportunity. These guys were not new players. You could tell by how they were playing and the strategy they were using. So I knew that, you know, I was going to get a small window and took my chance, man. That's what Tarkov is all about. When you when you have an opportunity, you got to take your chance. And sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you're going to lose. And I've won in these scenarios and we lost in the scenario that we're talking about. So I think the biggest takeaway for me is that you can't be so afraid in Tarkov or so risk averse to not just play the game. And if that means that sometimes you're going to lose and that's just part of it, it's, and it's going to be frustrating in the moment, but that's okay. That's just part of playing Tarkov. And it's part of the way that the game mechanics work. And they're very yeah. punishing game mechanics. And that's okay. And so I, I would say in the end that I'm fine with what happened. And I'm fine with the outcome of my choice to be where I was on the map. Yeah. Yeah, Sam. It, it, it was an opportunity for me on the flip side of that in that we did. We made the choice to be where we were and to hold that position. And I was comfortable with the meta decision to be there, to play patiently. And again, in that moment, it's not my normal play style. So like, I'm fidgety. I'm looking around. I'm trying to find people, trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do. And then when the PvP comes, like that instinct kicks in for me. And you said something like, I don't really hesitate in those PvP situations, but I also, I hesitate differently. I'm sitting there when we're patient and nothing's going on, I'm second guessing everything. Where should I be looking? Where are guys going to come from? We've been here for five minutes, which means people can rotate all over the map. And that's where I hesitate. And it's different, though, because it's not as noticeable as it is in a PvP encounter, to your point. Like, you're thinking about how to engage, when to engage, when to shoot. And to me, that's just second nature. Whereas how long to be patient, where to be patient, how to hold an area, that's not necessarily, that's not second nature for me. That's where I'm, like, thinking about every little thing. Like, where should I post up? What way should I be looking? What am I worried about? I don't know if you felt it during that moment, but I'm talking like, I'm like asking questions like, all right, now what? All right, I'm looking over here. What should we do? And I'm sitting here realizing that you're probably just like, this is great. <laughs> Be quiet, dude. <laughs> what I was thinking is like how our contrasting play styles are interesting, right? Because what you were saying, what's natural for you is the things that I have to work at. So you're, you're talking about how it's natural for you to run into PvP, know when to engage, know when to retreat, know when to shoot, duck, peek, flick, uh, aim, all that, uh, that stuff just comes so naturally to you. It, but then playing, playing the long game, right, is maybe a little bit different. It's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's not how you normally want to play. Right. It's almost completely opposite of me, right? So the, 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 the quick Twitch game for me is not the natural game. And the long game is the natural game for me. I'm used to sitting places. I'm used to sniping and working my way methodically through things. It's ironic. We actually just were probably each in the wrong spot. If you were where I was, it would have been much better. And if I was holding kind of the, you know, the overwatch kind of angle where, mm. where you were, we probably, it would have been fine because the decision points that we had where we had those moments of what do we do in a, an intense just situation. Yeah would have been natural instinct in the reaction versus having to think about it, weigh the risk, weigh the reward, and then do something, which yeah, I find to be really fascinating as we sit here and talk about this, because 
when we play together, our play styles are so different, but yet complementary that usually we're successful. Yeah. And that's yeah. just kind of how it usually goes. I mean, usually one of us is doing something that, or see somebody or whatever because of the way that we are naturally. You know, when we get into close quarters PVP, you, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. There's someone right there, like right behind that wall. And I'd have no idea, but you're like, nope, they're there. And then we're out in the open and spotting and, you know, all of a sudden I'll be like, nope, nope. Uh, there's someone right over that ridge, just saw him. And you're like, okay. And we're looking and, and like, oh, yeah, there it is. You know what I mean? And it's just what we're used to doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of how, how we're used to playing. So I think that that played a big role in this particular PVP encounter that ended this raid. But I think it's a super important thing to talk about with relation to Tarkov because there is so much talk about which play style is the most beneficial or when are you good at Tarkov, right? Like, when are you good at Tarkov? What is the net result of a good raid or a good player? And I've always thought about that a little bit because is a good player someone who has the ability to make unlimited money or is a good player someone who's broke and the but really good at close quarters pvp is a good player somebody who knows the map knowledge and is so good at executing on that map knowledge that they can do whatever they want you know tarkov is such an interesting game because being good at it could mean so many different things so there's actually an opportunity to be a good player i think in multiple different ways which is not always the case no it's it's also to add to your list, it's like, what about the person who knows how to handle all of the different debuffs, right? I mean, it's, it, it versus executing on those and how it all plays in. Like, it is such a dynamic concept of being good at this game that it is. And, and it's usually, again, defined by the player. What do you want to be good at, you know? And it's really interesting when you're put into scenarios that you're not very either skilled at, experienced, whatever you want to say. And it's really interesting, you know, looking back at that whole encounter in that, yeah, we were probably both a little uncomfortable. And had we just taken the time to be like, hey, man, this is not what I used to am doing. Maybe we should switch spots. That could have changed the entire encounter. Who knows? It's very interesting. So I don't know, man, that raid, I we spent a lot of time on that raid, those raids, I should say. And they were great. And I learned a lot. So our entire reason for running those raids, because we had the time, was to go through and check out some of the 12.8 implementations since the patch just went live. At the time that we're recording this, it's been live for two days now or a day and a half. And so I guess what I wanted to finish on is if you have some final thoughts on that raid situation, you know, I, I agree. I think I'll, so I'll tell you mine, and then I want to talk about just what we're noticing about 12.8. And for me, it's always this introspective nature of playing with other people or thinking about my games and figuring out what can I do better. And I don't know. I, I really enjoyed those raids. We had some wonderful moments. We had some heartbreak. But at the end of the day, like, I gained map knowledge. I worked on my patient gameplay and I also watched how you handled PvP scenarios which is different from the way I handled them and you were probably one bullet from coming out on top and that was really interesting to me and a good learning experience so I felt really good about those raids this morning yeah I also yeah I feel good about them as well I think back a little bit and kind of reflect on what went well what didn't but I definitely always force myself to play a little bit differently occasionally. 
And what I mean by that non-committal statement is every now and then I will do something on purpose outside of my comfort zone in Tarkov to get better, to try something different. Yeah. And last night was one of those one of those times and it doesn't always end poorly. I mean, it most of the time ends well. I mean, yeah. So it doesn't always end bad. It's just and I wouldn't even say last night ended bad because I walked away with some knowledge on how to play that that corner and win on that corner because there I walked away with like basically three new angles that I didn't know that you could do to win a PVP fight on that corner. And that is yeah. something I'm going to use in the future. So I don't really even consider it a loss in the end. I guess reflecting on kind of how the morning went then, then diving into scav running and getting money back using my comfortable play styles. And I was up 2.3 million this morning. So I earned everything back that I lost last night and then some. And I'm going to get some of it back in insurance just because of how we lost it. Maybe yeah. not all of it, but we'll get some of it back. So I really am not overly concerned about being you know, upset or anything about last night. So as far as 12.8 goes and kind of reflecting on the changes so far that we've played, I think Tarkov is going in a good direction. I do believe that Tarkov's game design has to adapt to kind of, if you think of the players as a bell curve, and there are really super level 70 players, they're at one end, and then there's level two players that can't figure out how to extract, right? Just because they just haven't figured that part of the game out yet. and because of that, Tarkov has to kind of adapt to this middle ground. And I, I have no way to know if this is true other than kind of my own feeling, but I would guess that the average level in Tarkov is probably 15 to 20. I don't think the average Tarkov player gets much higher than that. And because of that, I think that the 12.8 changes are very, very good for the health of the game long term. Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, exp uh, talking about why I believe that that number is probably true as well. Um, this patch speaks a lot to it. You know, the uh, free healing from therapist until you're level five or through level five, one of the two. I think there's a tremendous amount of people that probably got the game and quit at level two, right? And that affects that average, you know? So if you've been playing for months and months and months or years and years, and you're like, well, everyone I play with is level 40 and above, right? <laughs> Same, but we're we've we're all still playing the game. I think there's a tremendous amount of people, and we hear all the time people that DM us or or talk about it, where they're like, "Yeah, I played, I got to level four, and I just I'm struggling. I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to do whatever." And it's like there's a lot of folks in that category because this game's challenging, and so that combined with all of these quality of life fixes, I I think it's great for the long term health of the game. Now that said, there's some things that this patch have brought that I thought were going to be cool. And when we broke down the patch notes, when they released them a few weeks ago, I was like, this could be really neat. And now that they're implemented, I'm like, this is, this should have been in the game forever, you know? And so some of it's got me hyped up, like the highlighting of where things can go, like in what case, what they can attach to is better than I honestly would have given battle state credit for putting in not having it in the game thus far. Um, it is incredible to pick up a small stack of ammo and then it only highlights incomplete stacks of ammo where you can stack it. Or to pick up a, a vertical foregrip and then it highlights the six-inch slide that it can actually attach to. So you can drop it on there. And then you pick up the slide 
And then it'll highlight the guns. If you have a case of guns, it'll highlight which guns can accept that. I mean, that is such an amazing addition to the game for new, existing, all players. It's just an incredible feature. And I know that someone's going to be thinking this. You're going to say, well, that was a really good skill thing in the game, right? That it was a skill that you had to develop and learn. And I would argue the complete opposite. It is not fun trying to figure out where the heck these things attach and in what order. And for the person that understands guns and gun parts really well, you're going to be faster anyway than using the drag drop and trying to figure out where stuff is because you already know what goes where. You look at an item and you know how it attaches to a gun. So you're not questioning what parts to search and where to go. I can tell you from a uh, you know non-gun enthusiast from a understanding all the parts standpoint that it was one of the biggest sources of frustration early on as I played this game. And to see how they've given tools for me to be able to work around that, even though over time I learned the system and got pretty good at knowing what goes where, what's valuable, what's not, now it's just easier. And it doesn't, it's not impeding gameplay at all. Like it, and it opens up so much possibility. Like I heard people talking about taking in gas tubes in their gamma now, because then when you're picking apart guns off of scavs or players, you can throw stuff on the gas tube and you can highlight it and see if it goes on there. Like it opens up new strategies even. And I think it's going to evolve the secured container strategy and just looting in general. So I just, that's the one that is just jumping out to me as being an awesome long-term implementation for this game. Yeah, if I had to pick one thing, I think the most convenient thing that I've found in practice is that you can right-click on a clip and you can load it with ammo just by right-clicking on it, and you can see which ammo is compatible with that clip. And again, this comes back to when you're a new player, you have no idea which ammo goes in which clip. And so you're, you're, struggling with, you're struggling with the basics to just get the gun set up to just play the game. And that's just not fun. Yes, it's, it's immersive, it's hardcore, whatever word you want to use to describe it once you understand it, that's different. But when you're a new player, it's just like, wow, I'm spending in two hours to set up to play the game before I play the game and then I die five minutes in. Yeah, I'm done. I'm out, right? So they're changing those things and that makes so much more sense to me long-term for game design. So I actually really like that change. I was playing around with that yesterday and I really think that's a that's a great change. And if I could pick one that was just kind of an honorable mention, I just think is cool. I like the character animations on the loading screens for raids now. I don't know if you noticed the uh, the character, they'll ADS their gun, they'll load it, they'll whatever, you know, they'll move their gun around. And I actually think that that's pretty cool to see them interact with their gun. They'll pull a clip out magazine out, put one in. I just think that's pretty cool. So I actually loved this, especially when we did the scav raid. It was so funny because we're getting ready to go into a scav raid and Ronald's like, hey, let's do factory. I've got a great kit for factory. And I, I honestly didn't even look at my scav and we get into the screen and we get into the party and he's like, ooh, tough luck for you. That is not a scav, that is not a factory loadout, man. And I didn't even realize it, but then I've got the VPO with the, with the scope. <laughs> it's not a factory loadout, but it's just so funny to me that it's, you know, that little bit of information even going into the raid of, 
hey, this is what your teammate looks like. And again, as you as you understand more and more about this game, you know exactly everything I had going on. And it's like, I'm no backpack. I got a scav vest and I got a VPO and we're going into factory. This should be great. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I had a, uh, a VSS, right? And <laughs> I think I could pack a armor and I don't even think I had a helmet or anything. But I was like, okay, it's a VSS. It's factory. Let's go. Used up all that ammo and, and had a good time. But you're right. You get to see all that before you actually get into raid. And then on the actual loading screen itself, the uh, your character does actions with the gear that it has. So I, I just think that's a cool thing. It doesn't change the dynamics of the game other than I just think it's visually kind of a little bit more fun. Yeah. No, I, I kind of, I feel the same way. I think it's great. I think overall, I think this patch is from a quality of life standpoint, which is what the vast majority of the changes were. I think this is a great patch. It really sets it up well for the Woods expansion to come out in between now and 12.9 and just, you know, streets and, and whatever else Tarkov's going to bring. This was a really good patch from just fixing some stuff that's annoying, right? And even being able to tab into your stash while you're on a trader screen, and then you close your stash and you're back on the trader screen. That to me was one of the smallest, stupidest frustrations, but I've probably spent hours, tens of hours having to click escape from Tarkov, traders, right? (laughs) You know, how many times have you closed menus or had to go check something to go back into a trader? Oops, wrong trader. And now you hit tab, opens your stash, and then you close it and you're right back there on the trader. It's little things like that that just, it's going to take away those minor frustrations. And the more of that they can do as they prepare for bigger content releases, it's just exciting. This to me said a lot about what Battlestate's trying to do. They're trying to tie up these little loose ends while they're releasing other stuff. And that's good because some of the last patches didn't really hit quality of life stuff. And they they kind of made some of it more challenging. So I feel really good about this patch so far. And it's only a day and a half in. They could they could hurt me. But so far, uh, it's just been enemy PMCs that have been hurting my feelings. So <laughs> doing pretty well. Yep, pretty much the same. I, I actually think that the direction the game is going is is a good one right now as far as where quality of life is being introduced to remove barriers for things that are taking away fun but not affecting game mechanics. There's a balance there that's super important between what is fun and what is just interesting game design that makes you play the systems in the way that they were intended to be played. But there are some things that are just, they just remove the fun from ever getting the chance to play the game the way that they wanted it to be played. So 12.8, I think, is going in the right direction. I would say up to this point, I'm in the same exact opinion that you have as they haven't haven't hurt me yet. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. And with that, I think that's about it for this episode. So the green bar is starting to flash, which means that we are on the north side of resort and it's time to try to run past the Xville camper guy to the rock passage flares. And as we have now successfully done that, we look back at the top of the hill, we mock the Xville camper guy. And as our countdown counts out, we disappear. But before we do that, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to the show. Appreciate all of your support. And once again this week, it's a blanket thank you. No matter what platform you're listening on, we definitely appreciate you commenting, reviewing, starring, whatever. All of you have done that. And we ask that you continue to do that. The 
interaction with the platforms helps the show just reach more people, which just makes our community bigger and more awesome. So with that said, we look forward to good raids this week. We wish you luck with all of your raids. We hope that 12.8 is going well for you. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what your favorite thing in 12.8 is and how your experience with 12.8 is going. Be sure to join Discord and join the conversation amongst the Xville community in the XP Media Discord and talk about uh, how 12.8 is going for you. Love to hear from you. But that's about it for today. So good luck with your raids, and we'll catch you on the next one. Good luck, everybody, and hopefully your scab does not get the heavy bleed effect. That's my hope for you this week. We'll see you guys later. See ya.